I sent all kinds of PowerPoints the night before. It's good to see you this morning. Pray that the Lord will bless you as we look into his word. Uh, the last one I sent has an assignment for March break. Go, go figure, March break, and then I have assignment. Supposed to have a break. So that I knew it's not the last one because this assignment comes first. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your son. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that loved us and gave himself for us. I pray that as we look into your word, that you will bless us. You give us grace and strength. I pray your spirit will guide me and direct my thoughts and my words. That it will bring glory first and foremost to the Lord Jesus Christ. That all the saints will be blessed. And those that don't know Jesus as their savior will choose to embrace him today. I pray you bless those listening online as well. That they will be blessed as they listen to your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you can see this. If you can, that would be wonderful. It's a, I'm supposed to teach Rejoice um, a week from Tuesday. And I've been tasked with teaching Genesis, from Genesis 1 to Genesis 10. There's an entire ministry set up for that purpose. It's called Answers in Genesis. And I'm supposed to teach it twice. So I figured parents of young children can start the process. That's why they had the March break, so that they can start reading Genesis. So if you have a young child, and even if you don't have a young child, it's good to read ahead of time. Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 with your children during the March break. That will prepare the ground for the study. But also, I put in a memory verse there. 20 years ago, or at least around that time frame, I figured that the land that I'm living in is moving away from the Lord. And I figured there is one verse that my children should know from Genesis. And so that verse is highlighted there, but I put the other memory verse. Let's read it together, and then I will highlight it. So then God said this, let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed man and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the sky 
and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the first mention of man in the Bible. And it sets the foundation for how you think biblically about man. So that verse 27, I figured it's a verse that my kids should know. And they need to have it jam-packed. So, and so we said it a few times, and I felt they won't remember, so I created a song. And we sang it many times. We still sing it up till today. So God created man in his image. So I think if you are a parent of young child or young children, this is a verse that they need to know. Every person is made in the image of God. And uh, in the image of God, he created them. And he says, male and female. He created them. I didn't know that by the time this verse was given that when my daughter goes to college, she'll be told that there are 51 permutations of people. But she had the verse to deal with all the permutations. So my point is, it's good. Know this verse, jump pack it. We'll talk about it in Rejoice. So parents of young children, assignment for you, Christ from the cross. Okay. All right, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is known as the strangest sentence in the gospel record. A cry from the Lord Jesus Christ. So I am back to that uh, message and while I was thinking about it, I remembered this song, and I remembered Bruce Demolitor. For many years at Breaking Up Bread, number 165, oh Christ, what burden bowed thy head. So I put it down there. So it's good to see, as he stated there, death and the curse were in our cup. Oh Christ, was full for thee. But thou hast drained the last dark drop, tis empty now for me. Jehovah lifted up his rod, O Christ, it fell on thee. Thou wast so stricken of thy God, there's not one stroke left for me. I've done enough talking, it's your turn. So, I like people to interact with me when I'm speaking. So I don't like to be the only one speaking. Uh, part of the reason is when I used to teach in the university, I realized I was speaking like a Nigerian, blah, 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 and the people were wondering, what is he saying? So questions help me to know if they are hearing me. Okay? So, but more importantly for our purpose, is uh, questions help you to think about scriptures a little bit. So, why did God forsake Jesus when he was on the cross? Have you ever thought of that? Because God is holy, Psalm 22. Because God is holy, Psalm 22. Any other reason? Because of your sins. Okay. 
It was my sin that held him there. That's, we sing that, right? Okay, any other reason? Some of these questions have no right or wrong answers. But they have no wrong answers. Okay, so don't worry about being wrong. Because of love. Okay, so let's, let's, let's move on to the next one. Why has the Holy Spirit preserved Jesus Christ, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabbathani, in the original language? Why? Have you ever thought of that? Could I have just written it as, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But God's providence has left it there in the original language. Because the witnesses didn't understand what he said. That's, yep, possible. So you feel the, distortion the, <laughs> to, to make the meaning clear and reduce the distortion. distortion. Okay, to make the meaning clear and reduce distortion. It's possible. I mean, I, I don't have a right answer, so don't worry about me correcting. You know, this is true. You know, yeah, it makes the meaning clear and reduces distortion. What? Any other answer? So, how did Jesus make this statement? He, he cried loudly, he, he wasn't Canadian. <laughs> he was it was he was yelling cried loudly right now the last one apart from Christ name another person or persons that God has ever forsaken can you name one I asked my wife this and she gave me answer and said, you have to define forsake. Well, just, that's what he said, forsaken. So can you name another person or persons that God has ever forsaken? Think about it. Israel. Okay. So think about it. If you have an answer, that's fine. If you don't, it just gives you something to think about. So maybe when we go for coffee break sometime, we can, we can, we can chat, right? It doesn't matter, <laughs> apart from Christ, before or after. <laughs> Just one person, you know, regardless. So. so. Okay. Eli. Eli. All right. Any more? Judas. Huh? Judas. Judas. Okay. Who? Sorry, I can't hear you. Stephen? Stephen? Okay. So this is just meant for you to think. So it's, I, I'm not sure I have the right answer. That's why I said there's no right or wrong, but it's a good thing to think about. This is another verse that you need to know. Perhaps one of the most important. As we begin. He, God, made him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be seen in our behalf 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's a wonderful verse to know. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be seen on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So this is the fourth cry from the cross. I skipped the third one. And I moved to the fourth. Actually, my plan was to stop. But then Warren said, more about Jesus, more about Jesus, more about Jesus. And then I said, why stop? Keep going. So let's read. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, laba sabatani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there, when they heard it, said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately, one of them ran, and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Jesus made seven words or seven statements on the cross. So let's review slightly. The very first one that he did was, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. We expect that. We expect him to say that because his ministry was all about forgiveness. That's what he came to do. And then the second one that he said was, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Again, we expect that because he came to save the lost. That's expected. He said that to the thief on the cross. And then the third one that he said was to his mother. He said, woman, behold your son. And then to John, the apostle, behold your mother. So we expect that as well because Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophet. He didn't come to disobey the law. He came to fulfill it. And that's the fifth commandment. So which says, honor your father and your mother. So the Lord Jesus honored his mom in life and in death. So we expect that. But when he made the, fifth, the fourth cry, a lie, a lie. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We don't expect that. That's a surprise. It's a surprise. Because we know that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him and is God. And now he's crying to God, why have you forsaken me? That's not expected. And so that's a surprise. So it introduces wonder. Let's move on. Three wonders. The darkness around the cross. The loneliness of the Savior. And the blindness of the people before the cross. So the darkness. 
Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. You have to understand that um, the sixth hour, I believe that will be around 12, because the first hour in Jewish calendar starts around morning, six, so around 12 in the afternoon, it became dark. The first three words or sentences that the Lord Jesus made were made before the sixth hour. And then at the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land. It became dark, completely dark for the next three hours. So the question we like to ask is what kind of darkness was it? And why was there darkness as Jesus hung between heaven and earth? We are certain that it was not an eclipse that we know because eclipses do not occur during the Passover time. We are also certain that it was not the imagination of the people around there. It was real darkness, not fake. And it happened between the sixth and the ninth hour. And between that time, there was silence. So why was there darkness as he hung on the cross? I'd like to suggest to you that there could be more reasons, but there are probably three. Sympathy from creation. The creator of the earth was hanging on the cross. And there's a song there by Isaac Watts that says, Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. So when our first man, the first man, we are about to the first man, Adam again, and the first woman, when they sinned, it did not only affect man, it affected the whole of creation. Everything was affected. And so when the Lord Jesus was hanging there on the tree, he wasn't only dying for man, he was dying to restore all creation. So Adam's sin in Genesis chapter 3, which is part of what I said the parents should read, because there Genesis chapter 3 introduces the first sin. And from there we can know the definition of sin. In fact, Genesis chapter 2 introduces marriage. And from there we can know the definition of marriage. So see, this or everything, because the first is usually tells you what it means in scripture. That's why you need to make sure you read it with your children. So when Adam sinned, death entered into the world. I was busy, you know, during breaking of bread, reading this, uh, sorry, reading Romans chapter 5. And what I noticed is that one man's sin introduced death. And death reigned in life. Nobody can deny the existence of death. No matter how eloquent they talk, everybody at some point dies. In fact, right now, two things are reigning in life, at least in the life of unbelievers, sin and 
death. Appointed unto man once to die. So Adam's sin brought death into the world. Not only that, um, suffering entered into the world. When the Lord God created everything, and then he created man in his image. In fact, when he created everything, you know, in the first day he said it was good. Second day he said it was good. Third day he said it was good. Third day it was, fourth day it was good. Fifth day it was good. Then after he had created man, he said it was very good. There was no sin. That's in Genesis chapter 1. But when Adam sinned, the Lord, death entered into the world. So, and we know that creation is suffering and death is reigning. There's a lot of groaning. Romans chapter 8 tells us that, that the creation is waiting for deliverance. So I'd like to suggest to you that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, creation was sympathizing with the creator. That's one reason why darkness fell. Let's move on. Well, uh, let's, say, let's talk to this. So, a little bit. <laughs> so, to mock the Lord Jesus Christ, the soldiers made a crown of thorn, and then they put it on his head. You know, which was meant to mock him. But thorns and thistles is what the entire world is all about. So he was also carrying the burden, if you like, of the world. And as I said, creation shall be delivered from bondage. We look forward to a day when there will be no more disease. To a day when there will be no more disasters and death. So that's what we look forward to. It was because the creation was sympathizing with the creator. There's one other reason, or two more why there was darkness. I was told by the people there, you need to stay between here and there. When you go out, we don't see you, so stay between. So that's why I can't run like I normally run. I have to be careful. So solemn atmosphere of judgment on sin. I'd like to suggest to you that this was the most solemn moment in the history of the world. The Lamb of God God's just one was shedding his blood for guilty sinners. You remember in Egypt, the ninth plague, the day before the firstborn was killed, there was darkness for three days. And then judgment came. When Jesus was on the cross, darkness came because the Lamb of God was dying for the sin of the world. It was a solemn affair because Jesus was bearing the sin of the world. It was also a solemn affair because that marked the beginning of the defeat of Satan. I put my notes there because I want to talk less. <laughs> I want you to read more and then I can zoom it to you. Wonderful video. If you are a parent of young children, get it. It is called What's in the Bible. How did I get into What's in the Bible? I was looking at my young boy, my little 18, watching CBC programs. 
on, t on computer, and I was listening to some of these programs, and I could discern right away that they were agendas. That they were trying to educate him in something that I don't want. So I have to look for other things for him to do. So I picked up my focus on the family catalog. What does focus on the family have? And then I came across, hmm, what's in the Bible? So, because the future of my children is important to me, I want to make sure I understand what they're learning. I flipped through and then I saw a program, something called What's in the Bible. So I said, I think they say it's about $300. I said, oh, that's not a whole big deal. It costs a lot of money, but if my child is instructed well, it's worth it. So I, I bought the CD, ordered it, got it in, and uh, only to be told by my daughter that there's even a website where Christian programs can be subscribed to, and that's one of it. I already bought the CD. Well, I subscribed to the website, and I subscribed every month $10, so that at least he can go and watch something that is wholesome. Now, I want you to watch this, what happened on the cross. Lying on a cross, but that's not what God saw. God saw something very different happening. God saw his son, the son of God, on a cross. Then he saw the stain of our sin appearing on Jesus. Your sin, my sin, everything selfish and mean we've ever done or ever could do. The stain of all that sin was appearing on Jesus, even though he'd never done anything wrong at all. God saw his son stained with all the sin of the world. He saw him buried under all that sin. He saw him die under all that sin. For he made him that knew no sin to be sin for us. It was the most solemn affair in the history of the world when the Lord Jesus was hanging on the cross and God put our sins on him. We need to keep that in mind. There's something the else we need to know. Jesus. Oh, they played it from there, now I've moved it. There's something else we need to know what this darkness means. It appears to me that God put a curtain around his son in order to shield him from the rest of us. Why? Historically, we know that on the day of the atonement, the high priest went into the holies of holies to make sacrifice once a year. And during that time, he went alone. He brought the blood of the sacrifice, spilled it on the mercy seat and before the Ark of the Covenant, and only God saw it. I'd like to suggest to you that during those three hours of darkness, Jesus was completing an eternal transaction with God. The work of salvation is something that only Jesus could do. No other person could do it. And uh, only God saw it. It must have been awful because at the end of the three hours is when he cried. My God, my God, why 
Have you forsaken me? And that's the only time the Lord Jesus has called God my God. In the gospel record, he always called God my father. It's almost like there's a distance between us. And I'd like to suggest to you, as was mentioned, that it must have been because God is holy and our sins were on him. That's why Jesus took on our sin on the cross so, and took on the punishment or the penalty for our sins so that we don't have to. So that we don't have to. Again, a very good verse to remember. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who knew no sin to be seen on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's move on. The loneliness of the Savior on the cross. That's the second wonder. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He sounded desperate. You need to remember that this was the Passover time, and earlier on during the day, 12 of them had had a meal. And during that meal, uh, Judas was planning to betray him, so Judas left and 11 of them were left. And after that, Jesus went out with 11 to the Garden of Gethsemane, um, yeah, to pray. Left the 11 and then took the three close ones, and he was praying. He was praying. He said, if it's possible, let this cup be taken away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but as I will. And so when, after he prayed, then they arrested him. When they arrested him, all of them fled. You know, Peter caught out that guy. See, all of them fled. And so they took him to the high priest's hall. And then in the high priest's hall, Peter and John were hanging around. And then they told Peter, you know him. He said, oh, I've never seen him. I know nothing about him. And then ultimately, they took him to the cross. All of them had fled. And John was there with the other women. And Jesus spoke to John and Mary, the mother, and said, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And he says, and from that hour, that disciple took the woman and went home. So now Jesus was left on the cross all alone. But we also have to remember something that up to this moment, the father has never left him. In fact, there was a time he said, nevertheless, I'm not alone because the father is always with me. So, for the first time, the father left him. So the cry was recorded exactly as Jesus said it. You told me the reasons why, and I don't disagree with your reasons. So that is noted. Eli, Eli, Lama Sabatani. In fact, it's the only cry, or the only word on the cross that is recorded in two gospels. All the other ones are recorded in separate gospels. But this one is mentioned in Mark, it's mentioned in Matthew. And it's, in both accounts, it's mentioned in 
Aramaic, and in English. So it was recorded exactly that way. And the cry revealed a broken fellowship between Jesus and his father. And the cry resulted in silence. There was no answer. An awful cry. In Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. God was there. God strengthened Jesus. But on the cross... The Lord turned his face away from him. In Gethsemane, we also know that when they were arresting him and then Peter cut out the ear, Peter, Jesus said, put away your sword. I could have asked 12 legions of angels to deliver me if that's what is needed. But on the cross, God refused to deliver the Lord Jesus Christ. You also know in Gethsemane, it was a struggle. Jesus was praying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken away. Tempted to forsake the Father. But we know for certain on the cross, the Father forsook the Son. That's why the Son prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like I said earlier, previously, Jesus had said the Father had not left me alone. But on this moment, on this occasion, the father forsook him. Why? Because of our sins. That's it. Sin separates us from God. And I've emphasized this passage, this verse, because you need to know it. That's how you get righteousness, and that's how you get right standing before God. It's not by the labors of your hand. God made him that knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might have the righteousness of God in him. So God could not fellowship with sin. God is holy. John mentioned that. Our sins, Henry mentioned that. So God forsook Jesus Christ on the cross because of your sin and my sin. Because of the sin of the world. That's why God forsook him. We must never lose sight of this because the appropriate response is that of praise and worship to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for bearing our sin on the cross. Now let's move on. The time loves to run. Let's read this again. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried, with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, laba sabatana. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there when they heard it said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took, taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. The blindness of the onlookers. They were blind to scripture and they were blind to the Savior. It's still the same thing today. People are blind to scripture and they are blind to the Savior. So, the Jewish religious leaders should have known that what Jesus was saying was, is from the Psalms, the Psalm of David, their favorite king. But they did not, they were blind to the scriptures. 
My friend David McDonald has already given an exposition on Psalm 22 and how it describes the cross. He says so many things about the cross in terms of the darkness and the light, the mockery, the physical suffering, the humiliation, and the gambling for his comment and seamless hopelessness of the situation. So the leaders should have known because they were trained in scriptures, but they were blind to the scriptures and they were blind to the Savior. It's a wonder that they couldn't connect the scripture with what Jesus was saying. Instead, they say he's calling for Elijah. Let's see if Elijah will come and serve. They were also blind to the Savior. Prophecy was being fulfilled before their eyes. They thought he was calling for Elijah. Why were they blind to the Son of God? I'd like to suggest to you that they were looking for a Messiah that would reign as king, not as a, not a suffering Messiah. The prejudice that they had in terms of, oh, when the Messiah shows up, he will just rule. So, and uh, in order to understand the Old Testament, you have to know the Lord Jesus. He's the key. You know that he said that to those men on the road to Emmaus, beginning from Moses and the prophet and the Psalms, he expounded to them the things written about him in the Old Testament. So when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you have no key and you have no light. He went into darkness so that we may have light. Let's read this verse. Another good verse to know. So many good verses. I'm getting a little bit older and some things are becoming more precious, especially the word of God. So many good verses. This one I took to lose translation, version. The living, uh, that's the portion I took. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Once. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. I like that. It's good for the year to be born. To those that were born before, his sacrifice is good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he awaits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, notice, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Made perfect forever by that one offering. That's why the father rejected him. Never to be forgotten truth. A few of them. God of Christ offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins once for all. God forsook his son so that he will never ever forsake his adopted sons and daughters. That is the answer to the question. My God 
my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So Christ experienced the ultimate penalty for sin, which is separation from God. As believers, we will never be forsaken. Even though you might feel like that sometimes, but you will never be forsaken because the Lord Jesus was. A desperate cry from Christ was transformed for us into an eternal song of hope and joyful confidence. God will never leave us or forsake us. I have a story there, but I'm not going to tell. Time. Time is gone. But there's something else I wanted to highlight before we sing. That cry was the cry of desperation. But if you keep reading in the same chapter, you notice something else. But the rest of them said, let us see Elijah comes to save him. Notice again. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. But notice what happened. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Access has been opened. We can go into the presence of God. Not only that, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Also, the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. What happened? The veil was turned, the earth shook, the rocks split, Tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and they came out of the tomb after the resurrection. It was this event. Now, as the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the other things that were happening, they became extremely frightened and said, truly, this is the Son of God. Two cries. One was cry of desperation. The other was cry of victory. From the Savior. On the same day. On the cross. So, what was the second cry? That is the next story. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our great Savior. Help us not to lose sight of the fact that he has taken away our sin and he has given us victory. I pray for those that don't know him, that Lord, you will convict them and cause them to see the need for the Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.